This is Dr. John Hunt for Pet Sounds. Allow me to take a few minutes of your time to talk about pet care, pet medicine, and everything in between. In our last, last Pet Sounds, we are talking about um, reading food labels, and I covered mainly the uh, meat portion. Uh, you can look on our archives on WERU to uh, get the specifics. But let's go over the, major, the other major ingredients uh, this week. Let's talk about carbohydrates. This is where things get a little muddled and very confusing. Carbohydrates are essential and necessary for our pet's diet. They are a really good source of energy. Grains are the primary source of carb- carbohydrates. Unfortunately, manufacturers use grains as a cheap source of protein as well. Corn is by far the most common grain used in pet food. It is a high energy ingredient, but is also used as a cheap source of protein. Corn has a ratio of 8 to 1 of carbohydrates to protein. So you need a lot of corn to get any significant amount of protein. And the protein is not as bioavailable as meat protein. That means your pet needs to eat a lot of corn to get the proper amount of protein, resulting in a lot of calories. Fortunately, the dog, over thousands of years of domestication, has developed the genetic ability to digest grains better than their wild ancestors. I think this is why, for so many decades, the pet food industry got away with using grain-like corn as a protein source. The consumer benefited by paying low prices for pet food, and the pets seemed to do okay. High-quality corn will be listed as ground corn or cornmeal. That means the entire kernel is used. Barley, ground brown rice, oats, rice, and wheat are the other grains used in pet food. Grain-based carbohydrates should be limited to about 3% of the diet. Potato and sweet potato are alternative non-grain carbohydrate sources that are very popular in premium foods. These are gluten-free, which can benefit some, some animals with health problems. Food manufacturers use a trick called fractioning to lead you to believe you are buying a food with predominantly meat protein, but actually not. Listing ingredients goes from the highest percentage to the lowest. So food listing chicken as the first ingredient means chicken has the highest percentage in the food. However, if the second through fourth ingredients are grains, if those second through fourth ingredients are added together, the sum will actually outweigh the chicken. For example, a label listing chicken, rice, rice bran, and rice flour If you added up all the rice ingredients, rice becomes the number one ingredient over chicken. This is something every pet owner can figure out with a quick look at the label. Roughage are ingredients that provide fiber to the diet. They have no nutritional value, but are an important part of digestion and intestinal health. Good fibers include peat pulp, apple pumice, and tomato pumice. Peanut hulls, soybean hulls, and sunflower hulls are more common fiber sources. Mill run are sweepings left over after human food processing and should be avoided. Fats can be from any animal or plant source. Terminology is tricky here. Some fats are better than others. Fats that are named after a particular animal tends to be a better grade than the vaguely named fats. For example, chicken fat is a better quality than poultry fat or animal fat. Fats are primarily used as taste enhancers. In order to increase the shelf life and be pleasing to the human eye, preservatives, flavors, and colors are added. Colors target the human consumer. When you buy a bag of food with 
pictures of fresh vegetables and fresh meat all over the bag, you expect to see green, orange, and red pieces pour into Fido's dish to reassure you that you are feeding Fido peas, beans, carrots, and meat. This is all a ploy for your benefit. A good-looking food is a good marketing strategy. As an aside, I've not heard of any proven overt health risks from food coloring in pet food. Flavors are an important element in palatability, but flavoring also enables manufacturers to source their main ingredients from many different areas and still maintain a consistent taste, thus saving money. Flavors can come from artificial or natural sources. Some interesting flavors include phosphoric acid, that is not only a flavor enhancer, but is also used as a rust remover. Or the chemical castorium, which comes from the anal glands of beavers, also used to enhance flavors in raspberry treats and candies for people. Preservatives prevent spoilage, thus allowing bags of food to remain fresh on the grocery store shelves for months. There are natural preservatives like vitamin E or rosemary, and artificial ones like BHA and BHT and ethoxyquin. There is some controversy surrounding ethoxyquin safety. I have read pros and cons about this preservative, so as far as I'm concerned, the jury is still out. There are many other ingredients in specialty foods and prescription diets. Your veterinarian can fill you in on what they are and why they are in the food. There are many more unknowns the public is not privy to when it comes to making pet foods. Some ingredients don't have to be listed if they're in another ingredient. For example, ethoxyquin is added to fish meal on the fishing boats, so a pet food manufacturer doesn't have to list ethoxyquin on the label because they didn't add it when making the food. It was already in the fish meal. Or when a food is analyzed, it is being rated as a food that a pet can survive on, not necessarily thrive on. There's also something called collective terms. These are used to identify a general classification of, of an ingredient origin which perform a similar function but not have the same nutritional values. The manufacturers don't have to list individual ingredients when using a collective term. You get the picture. Lots of smoke and mirrors in, in the pet food industry. With that said, I honestly believe the reputable pet food makers are trying to give us as good a product as they can for the money. But the old adage, you get what you pay for, comes into play, and knowing how to read a label can help you. Thank you for listening. This is Dr. John Hunt for Pet Sounds giving you concise answers to common pet-related questions at WERU. Until next time, enjoy your pet and don't forget to give them a hug.